What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Accounting Flow podcast brought to you by Financial Sense. This podcast is dedicated to taking a deep dive into accounting firm workflow and processes. Each episode, we will spend 20 minutes interviewing actual accounting firm owners just like you, uncovering specific processes that firm owners and operators encounter on a daily basis and discuss ways to improve them. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Accounting Flow. Today, we've got Alexis Sadler, CEO of Accounting Therapy. Thanks for joining. Of course. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Now, I'm curious, is Accounting Therapy the only thing you're doing right now, or do you have multiple things happening? Because a lot of people we talk to have a lot of things going on. So I do, um, I run a couple roundtables that I do. Most of the, I don't really do that for revenue. I really do that for helping other business owners and stuff like that. But my main uh, focus is definitely accounting therapy. Okay. Um, A lot of the entrepreneurs that we do talk to that have their own firms tend to get really excited about that and then start to branch into other things. So I was curious about that. Um, and we also had a chance to talk a little bit about the types of services that you offer, which we'll get into. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But the title of this episode is um, how this firm owner made bookkeeping management easier in a very creative way. So I'm excited to jump into that topic. Uh, but first, before we do that, Alexis, would you mind giving us a quick elevator pitch on who you are and what you're doing? Sure. My name is Alexis Sadler. My company is Accounting Therapy. We are based out of Los Angeles, but we are a fully remote company. So I have basically employees in every time zone, which is pretty helpful. And um, basically, we help small businesses find financial sanity. We help them do the things that they need to do and make the decisions they need to make. Okay, financial sanity. That could mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And I know that QuickBooks is a big focus for you all. Um, How do you help people feel more sane when it comes to their finances? I, the biggest thing is when business owners are asked questions that they don't even understand the question, let alone being able to provide the answer to who's asking that question. So that's a big part of what we do is help them answer those questions, but also understand those questions. So whether it's running reports for loans or, you know, partnering with somebody and having to determine, you know, values of business or whatever it might be. So we kind of try and educate and create sanity through making them a little bit smarter with their numbers. Okay. So as an example, I received an email from a client today. We're recording in early February for reference um, that said something to the effect of, hey, I received a request from a vendor for a 1099 and we didn't do that. Um, Come to find out they never responded to our email to help them with that process in December. Um, But is this something I need to do? And that was something that made them maybe a little bit insane when they got that email. And so these are the types of things you're helping clients be aware of, understand. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many acronyms and so many form numbers and things like that. You know, they can't keep keep up with all that stuff. No, no, they can't. Um, But you can. And and I'm curious as to how you do that um, and like how how you got in into that. How did you become kind of this QuickBooks um, icon expert go to for what effectively is therapy for all of us? (laughs) Well, my mom actually started the business when I was 17 and I joined her. I'm sorry. She started when I was 15 and I joined the business with her when I was 17. So this is really all I know. And 
I've always loved just, we used to do a lot of face-to-face -face and, you know, on-site before the pandemic. And just when you walked into that business and they were like, oh my God, my savior's here. Like that, that's really what kept me here and kept me learning more and getting better and gaining the knowledge I need to, you know, get that, that happiness from them. That's really what it is. Yeah. And so when you started and you were in office going to the, the client site, were you operating on desktop at that point in time, yeah. paper checks, you know, were you instilling process with clients at that point in time? Like oh. how, how did that start for you? <laughs> process started. Um, I took a little sabbatical from mom because you know how teenagers are. And I ended up working at a bank. And their processes were so messed up that I couldn't, I didn't know what I was doing. So I worked with management to basically build out the processes of their loan division. And then I was like, hmm, this might be good for what mom's doing. So that's when I ended up coming back. And that's really what, what it's always about. I mean, the more processes you have, the better you are, the faster you are, the least expensive it costs you to do whatever that is. So yeah. that's kind of the way that I've lived it. Interesting. And so what's the typical uh, like target market or demographic or type of company that you work with? Honestly, we don't have a niche. I mean, I guess okay. we technically have a niche. Our niche really is companies that are dynamic and they really are into technology and they want to kind of allow us to help them. There's a lot of, hmm. I'm sure you've experienced this, you get in with a business owner and they know all the right things, they just want you to do it. Yeah. But we really want those clients that are willing to take advice and listen to it and and implement it and kind of let us lead the way, but have them kind of make the big decisions, if you will. So those are kind of that's our target market, if you will. OK, so it's more of a like leadership team or CEO target in terms of how they think about um, bringing you on board, the type of support that you can offer, and then the willingness to kind of step into how you want to work with them. If, absolutely. So when you think about process, as you talk about helping clients with their accounting, with their QuickBooks processes, are are these the type of clients that you're coming in and you are creating something new from scratch? Are you bolting on to what is existing or, or how are you coming alongside of them in their journey of building better processes? So honestly, most businesses have some form of processes. It's a matter of like how efficient they are. You know, are they opening sure. up? you know, drawers to dig through papers or they, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, you ne I never want to take a business and flip them on their sides because that just creates more work, stress, you know, money, all that kind of fun stuff. So what I like to do is take what they're doing and say, what if we tweak this a little bit and then this a little bit more? So it's kind of like we do it in stages to not freak them out and, you know, have them run because, accounting therapy is making me do things I don't want to do. <laughs> so we try and do it little pieces at a time, you know, whether it's maybe just implementing estimates to give them a little bit better mm. reporting and, you know, little things at a time. Got yeah. it. Okay. So I suspect too, in, in a client onboarding process, you are taking um, kind of the, the holistic business and saying, what processes can we improve in order to create a better outcome or a, a higher, like prioritized type list for the client to say this would impact their life positively more quickly than this project? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the times what we'll do is we'll 
kind of figure out what their current processes are. Like, tell mm -hmm. me how you do this. Like, mm -hmm. what is the process for receiving money? You know, that's an easy one to fix with, you know, there's a lot of companies out there still receiving checks, you know? So finding out those little things and then saying, okay, let's just turn this one thing on and maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that will integrate payroll, maybe, you know, that kind of stuff and start with the little things so they can see that, oh, wow, this really does make it easier. Maybe they got more things and then we can start getting into the big stuff, you know? Yeah. Interesting. So when accounting therapy comes in and you're going through, you know, you're prospecting. This really does make it easier. Maybe this really does make it easier. Maybe. Do you require a specific set of systems that your client works within or is at least open to, or do you work within what they already have? I, well, it depends. I mean, it, I, a hundred percent QuickBooks. We don't do anything but QuickBooks, but on top of that, we will work within their systems if they know the ramifications for working within those systems. So if they're working with an app that we don't necessarily like working with or maybe doesn't integrate well, we'll say, OK, we'll use this app, but it may cost you an additional three hours of time each mm -hmm. month. So you're going to not only be paying for this app, but you're also going to be paying for the time that it's going to take to do this. Or you could turn on this other app that will do it all for you. And we kind of let them make the choice. I, I like that a lot because then you, not only are you educating them on how to make a better decision, but also you're positioning it in a way that can help your internal team become more efficient in servicing them. And ultimately, you don't want them to have to pay more for something that they don't need to pay more for. And if they could be in an efficient, more scalable tool, it's a win for them. It's a win for your team and everybody is happy. The other thing with using those apps that they just are determined to stick with is it just makes my team better because it's putting them in more apps and they're learning more workarounds and, you know, more troubleshooting and things like that. It's getting them to think outside the box instead of having just one system, one process that we do for everybody. I, I think it's a really valuable point, too, because you could niche down, you could serve the same segment of customer, you could use the same tools, but then ultimately from what I've seen, teams are generally going to be a little bit less um, fulfilled in their roles because it's just kind of cookie cutter, yeah, uh, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Um, and that becomes really difficult when you want to have an engaged team with the vibrant culture and, and you know, people who want to kind of take that next step and learn and grow. And so I think there is a lot of value too in having different tools for different clients. Variety makes you happy, right? It can. It can. For accountants, I don't know. There are a lot of accounts that are like, I just like doing the same thing. Um, that's interesting. Okay. So uh, from what I've learned, you have two different uh, services, one where you will manage your client's books and processes um, in-house and you will become their outsourced accounting department. Um, and then you'll also work with clients and you will help them uh, set up their own systems and processes and then teach them to run it moving forward. Is that right? Yeah. A lot of the setups that we do are migrations from other accounting platforms. Mm -hmm. So usually the NetSuites of the world, the larger accounting packages of the world, they usually have their own ac accounting team. So we'll get them converted into QuickBooks, get their you know app or softwares set up to kind of be what it was in that other package and then train the team on you know the AP operations, the AR operations, whatever you know details they need for that specific industry or business or business owner desires. 
Yeah. Yeah. And are they typically coming to you saying, hey, we know that we're going to be switching to this new system, switching to QuickBooks. Yeah. Um, we need help with that. Or yeah. are you prospecting with them and saying, hey, this is what I would recommend. And then an opportunity comes out of that. We don't usually get a, uh, that's not, I, let me rephrase. They, we don't usually get a lot of customers that are coming to us saying, hey, we have this product that is non-QuickBooks and we want you to help us with it. Most of our people that come to us are, hey, we have this product and we want to be on QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. But we have had a few people that have called and said, hey, do you guys support this product? And then, you know, once they get to know us and get our vibe and who we are, they almost want to switch to be able to stay with us and how we work and, you know, our personality and teams and all that. Yeah, and that's a huge part of it, the therapy, I suspect. It's, it's you know, a layer beyond just the systems that you're using, just the processes. It's the For team. Sure. It's how you communicate. It's how you interact with clients. Yeah. Um, kind of moving moving on in the therapy side of things, I've, I've heard a lot about creativity and how you've maybe done things differently than other firms. Um, let's say like on the recurring services side of things, what are some creative ways that you've potentially um, managed processes differently or run your team internally that, that would differ from the firm down the street? So I, I believe that our team is very different from a lot of other accounting firms. We are very colorful. We are very fun. We are very goofy. I mean, if you go to our website, we have superheroes on our website. Like we're, we're not the typical, you know, accountant, if you will. We try to keep yeah. it fun and we try to be real people that somebody's not afraid to come to us and ask us that silly question that, you know, they, they need help with. Um, but with the team, I mean, we implemented EOS a while ago, the entrepreneurial operating system, mm -hmm. and we do a lot of like quarterly spirit rallies where we get together and each team will kind of do some goofy skit or game or something like that. So we try and like get that, keep us all together and in the same culture and happiness and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it just exudes out into our customers and they get to experience the happiness and the fun and, you know, all that kind of stuff in working with an accountant, which isn't generally fun. So. This, this is true. This is true. That's not generally an experience that clients are like, hey, you need to talk to my account because they're awesome. That yeah. just doesn't come up. Um, remind me how big your team is. So there is eight of us now. Okay. So eight, eight folks on the team and you've uh, implemented EOS. Mm -hmm. And so uh, amongst the eight, eight folks, um, how does the, the accountability work? Is there a core leadership team where L10s are occurring um, that then disseminates downward? Yeah. So each department has their own uh, meeting. So we have our marketing team, our sales team, and our operations, which is basically our, our doers, our, our bookkeepers and project people. Um, and then, so each of those people meet or each of those teams meet and then they report up and then we have a leadership meeting and then it will go up to our visionary and integrator, myself and Taylor will get together and, you know, make all the decisions of the world. <laughs> yeah. You make the clock tick. Um, you know, I, I want to hone in on that a little bit on the EOS front because uh, I don't know if you know, Chad Davis. Um, but Chad and I had a great conversation around EOS and EOS implementation on accounting flow um, late last year. And so it's fascinating to me to see this um, large corporate governance structure oftentimes of an EOS type methodology being ported down to smaller firms. 
And you're starting to see that more and more often with smaller firms of taking formal management structures and layering them into the rhythms of a small firm. Like it's a very creative way to manage and it requires a lot of discipline. But what's interesting to me is that you led the conversation with, hey, we implemented EOS, but then immediately shifted into culture and doing skits and doing really fun things. How do you how do you manage the culture aspect of it within the rhythm of EOS? Do you have rocks? Do you have L10 uh, scorecard items as it relates to culture? Or how do you think about that? As it relates to culture, no, we don't have any measurables on that. We do have a measurable on teams uh, stress level. So mm. if the stress level does get too high, we you know have conversations on how we can make that happen. But no, we don't have anything necessarily pertaining specifically to the L10 meetings, the measurables and all that fun stuff regarding culture. But I think EOS really taught us how important culture is and how creating that, I'm going to use the word family, really does contribute to everybody being on the same page and having the same goal and wanting to support each other. I think that's really where that the EOS and the culture connect for me is that that, you know, a family goes together, you know, what's that phrase? If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, and it's interesting because I feel like there are places for having culture driven rocks and goals and things like that, but because it is, um, you know, a little bit uh, amorphous, you know, it's, it's not a tangible output where you can say like, oh, culture improved X to Y this quarter because of yeah. these things that we did. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And so it it's interesting that you kind of led with the, the parallel of driving culture to things like that uh, or to the um, EOS. So when you think about EOS internally, you have different divisions. Does that tie into your your weekly monthly rhythm with clients and client management as well um not necessarily we've talked to a couple of clients about eos and the benefits mm -hmm. of having those kinds of meetings having structured meetings instead of just that monday roundup where people just throw ideas out there and nothing really is accomplished so we've talked to customers about that kind of stuff um not really. I mean, we haven't really pushed that. Most of our businesses are pretty small businesses. Like we like to yeah. work with the little guys that, you know, that need, need, need the help. So yeah. um, I haven't really spread that out to customers too much. Sure. Well, how about internally, you know, as you, as your team manages the monthly workflows on behalf of the clients, um, are there metrics that you're looking at internally that roll up within these L10s that you guys help to manage, whether it's number of hours, utilization, capacity, you know, yeah. what are those things that you're looking at? It's funny you say that because that's actually something that we're working on right now is how do we pay attention to one of the things I really want to pay attention to is like from the first time I talk to this guy to when they sign on with bookkeeping, what is the number of days? Can we shorten mm. those? You know, that kind of stuff. But then that's a, the other part of it is we are working on capacity with, you know, we've allocated hundred hours with the team this week mm -hmm. for bookkeeping. How much of it were they over? Were they under? If they were over, was it because there's a process that's broken? Was it because the client added other things? So that's actually something we're working on. It's funny you brought that up because yeah. that's a hard thing to do too. I mean, you can, it's hard to take that and turn it into numbers. Hours, yes, mm -hmm. um, but it's a hard one. 
on on the sales cycle side of things, you know, utilizing a tool like HubSpot or Copper or PipeDrive, something like that, just from an opportunity sales cycle um, understanding standpoint, hey, this took 15 days from origination to conversation to close like that. That could be really helpful on that side. Um, but as far as the the team, the capacity, the planning side, you know, that, that's really interesting to understand. What is the, the what are the types of reporting that we need? How do we understand deviations from estimated budget on a weekly basis for hours allocated to specific tasks? How do we uh, call out the outliers in the L10s and then drive action items from the issues that arise? Yeah. Um, there's a process in and of itself that needs to be created utilizing systems in order to drive conversation for these leadership team meetings. True. I mean, that's really true. We actually, my integrator built uh, the craziest Excel document. I'm, I'm not a super Excel person. I'm going to get it, but she's like an Excel wizard. And uh, she kind of built something out for the bookkeeping team to kind of track hours based on budgets and broke out sales tax, which is quarterly and payroll and all these fun things but it's still, it, it gives us information, but it's not the exact information that we need for capacity. It's like, how yeah. do we know, how do we know when to hire? That's a big one. How do we know when we need more sales? You know, all that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one to, to figure out what, what is that number that's going to create the right conversation? Yeah. Yeah. And those are the questions that every firm owner is asking, right? Yeah. It's, it's that relationship between clients and people. Um, how do I understand how to fill up the the pipeline from a, a prospect and revenue perspective? And then also, how do I fulfill that demand from a people and service capacity standpoint? And I, I think it was Jody Grunden uh, that I heard on a podcast talk about um, measuring based on gross margin and then revenue per employee. And so once gross margin starts ticking up to a certain percentage, you know that your team is running running hot. Uh, so you need to hire in order to bring that margin back to a normalized level. Um, I've also heard of teams building in redundancies via international hires and um, introducing additional capacity through that or um, managing just on a billable hourly basis and looking at utilization. You know, There's a thousand ways to slice it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what works for your team and how you want to grow your business and the culture in your business. And you know, all those kinds of fun things. How big do you want to be? Do you want to stay small? You know, they're hard decisions with hard questions and hard answers. (laughs) They are. They are. Do do you all manage on a fixed fee basis or are you all hourly? We do. So our projects and our bookkeeping are fixed fee. And then when we're doing that kind of figure it out, create processes, training, all that kind of stuff, that's on an hourly basis, which is Few and far, I shouldn't say few and far between. It's less common than the bookkeeping and the projects. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll ask um, two two more questions here as we kind of wrap up. One in depth, and then one a little bit more fun. Um, But on on the fixed fee side of things, as far as process goes, in terms of educating you on how to understand what type of fee to uh, propose to a client, do you have a calculator? Do you have uh, how how do you think about proposals for clients as it relates to So my, my calculation is a bit archaic, but the very basic part of it is I look at the number of transactions in a month. I'm, I figure a minute per transaction and then I average 15 minutes per reconciliation. That's my very basic. But then I look at like, are we doing 
you know, uh, any specific journals that require us to get out of apps? Are we doing app support? Are we, you know, are we onboarding and offboarding employees because they have high turnover, like those kinds of things as well. But my basic is a minute per transaction and 15 minutes per recon. Yeah. And then taking that and extrapolating like a dollar per hour based on role. Exactly. Exactly. And then sometimes you get in there and you're like, yeah, but this guy's got the same transactions every month. You know, it's going to be super easy. You know, it's that's kind of just my starting point. It's not my ending number. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. that's always so fascinating to me because I love the concept of fixed fee or value-based pricing, um, but it can be very, very challenging. And you don't really know whether or not you've nailed it until a few months in post-onboarding. And uh, then at that point, you're like, all right, well, I I missed the boat on this one. I need to reset, talk to the client, or you you, you could miss it high or low. Yeah, Um, definitely. But it's it's the data side that then can feed back the hours, the tracking, the understanding of how you're actually operating. That'll feed back into getting it better next time. Yeah, we usually do, uh, not usually, we have a process to do the 90 day evaluation, the six month evaluation. And then we evaluate every year just on an mm. anniversary basis. So we are always evaluating that number. We don't want to, I don't want to overcharge anybody. That is, you know, that's, I'm in business to make sure that they can stay in business. So. <laughs> That's kind of the way that I <laughs> that I operate. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I love it. Um, good. Well, one more fun question for you, and then I will let you go. Um, but I've seen you on several um, presentations and um, uh, webinars and things like that, and you seem to oftentimes be wearing a tie-dye shirt. Um, <laughs> is there something behind that? Or tell me a little bit about the tie-dye in Alexis's life. Um, so I think a lot of, I'm, I mean, I'm a hippie at heart. I was, you know, a child of the nineties, but I listened to the sixties music the whole time. I'm, I'm a big hippie when it comes to music and, you know, my life, you know, I love all the old mid-century modern stuff, all the old things. Um, but the other part of the tie dye is I want to be an approachable accountant. I want somebody to see me not see me in a polo shirt or a button up or whatever it might be. I want to be an approachable accountant. So that's the other part of it. Just making us more fun. So that's what the title is. I absolutely love it. And I think you, I mean, I've seen you in multiple like QuickBooks shirts and other app partners shirts uh, that are all tie dyed. And I, I have a whole that. closet full of them. Oh, that's great. That is so good. Um, Well, I'm so glad that you were able to join today. Thank you very much. Um, If people want to find you, where can they find you? They can find me at accountingtherapy.com and all our socials and all that stuff are right on our homepage. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining Accounting Flow today and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. For listening in today, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to share and write a review. This is going to help other firm owners just like you find our podcast and get insights into how to grow their firm. Stay tuned.